Hello and welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. This podcast is kindly sponsored by N200 GES, our smart event solution partner. For more information on N200 and its smart event solutions, visit n200.com. And don't forget to stay up to date with all of the latest content from eventindustrynews.com by downloading the new Event Industry News app, available for all the major mobile devices. You join us for... A special uh, edition of the Event Industry News podcast. Um, today is Monday the 12th of June, so just a few days after the general election um, that I think it is fair to say nobody could have predicted the outcome of. Nobody really thought that we were going to get what we've ended up with, which is uncertainty. Uh, it seems to be the word that's, that, that's ringing around at the moment. Um, as it stands today, as I said, Monday the 12th of June, the Queen's speech has been delayed amid DUP talks, whilst the Conservatives and the DUP finalise any sort of working agreement and, and how they're going to structure things going forward. Um, we've had comments today from uh, the Federation of Small Businesses uh, demanding answers over the Brexit strategy. And as I said, uncertainty seems to be the word ringing around at the moment. Today, we welcome to this special edition of the podcast two guests who are going to talk and offer some of their own opinions on the recent election over Brexit and its impact that it could have on the event industry. First of all, we welcome Dale Parmenter. Dale is the group CEO for the DRP Group, um, a fully integrated events agency. Dale, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. Pleasure. Good to be here. And we also welcome Andrew Baxter, Managing Director for Europa Worldwide Group, a specialist logistics company. Um, Andrew, thank you very much for joining the podcast. Yeah, good to be here. Um, so, as I said, uncertainty seems to be the word ringing around at the moment. Um, Andrew, if, if, I, if I come to you first, you issued a statement uh, late last week after uh, the result of, or the outcome of the election um, became uh, obvious, uh, and you were quoted as saying, this result is a disaster. Um, why is it a disaster in your opinion, and, and why is it a disaster for the events industry? Um, I think it's a disaster because what I was hoping would happen is that the Conservatives would get a clear majority. That would allow them to be in a strong position to go and negotiate with the EU um, a Brexit deal that they would then be able to push through Parliament. Uh, Brexit could happen um, and we could all move on. My concern now is that um, they're going into negotiations with the EU. As they go into those negotiations, um, it, you know, the EU are going to be saying, can you actually, even if we agree something with you, can you get that through Parliament? And the reality is that they won't know whether they can get it through Parliament. Um, so that's going to make the negotiations difficult. Whatever they actually do negotiate, they may not be able to get through Parliament. Um, if uh, it gets rejected by Parliament, what happens then? Um, it just makes the whole process of uh, negotiating and finalising Brexit uh, much more difficult. And you know that is likely to um, prolong the process of Brexit. Um, it's likely to mean that that uh, the government compromises on things that it maybe shouldn't compromise on in order to get a deal through. Um, and all of that, I think, is, is very negative. Um, I, I was absolutely a supporter of 
Brexit, but and, and now that you know the vote has happened and we sort of as we move towards Brexit, what we want is we want to get the best deal we can in the quickest possible time frame so that we can get all of this uncertainty behind us. And instead now what we've got is even more uncertainty in front of us. Um, and therefore, you know, it, it's a from my perspective a very negative result. Um, what does it mean for our um, sector? Um, but what it means is economic uncertainty. Um, that is not going to be good for economic growth. It's not good for you know, our business. What it needs most of all is to live in a successful economy. Um, and this is, not, this is not good for the economy. It's not good for um, Britain being able to get on with its life post-Brexit. I've got several questions, some uh, statistics, some things that I'm going to fire at you guys. But um, before I do that, um, let, let's come to you, Dale, and I suppose I, I ask the same question as I asked Andrew. Um, you know, w what does this outcome, as it stands at the moment, and this uncertainty mean in the short term for the events industry, and, and perhaps in the medium and, and long term as well? Uh, no, I totally agree with Andrew. I mean, it was definitely was not the, the result we wanted. We want stability. Uh, and unfortunately, our industry falls um, sort of foul sometimes of uncertainty because we can be some of the first things that get cut. You know, we're, we're made up of a lot, a lot of different businesses, a lot of small businesses. And what can happen is, is that a corporate doesn't do their sales conference, doesn't do their exhibition, and it's an easy thing for them to, to cut. So when they're saying, looking at their budgets, thinking we need to, we need to you know, pull our reins in, we get affected very quickly. Uh, and, and I've seen it so many times over the years. I've been in this business a lot, a lot of years, and it, every time it happens. So the, the least thing we need is uncertainty, and that's what we've got a lot more of than we had on Wednesday last week. So, um, you know, how we go take this forward, who knows? Uh, and I'd like to see Parliament pull together and work a little bit more collaboratively, apart from, you know, instead of this petty squabbling that we seem to be getting ourselves into. Um, one uh, a statistic I'm, I'm going to now launch into this conversation. 43% um, of voters went Tory, 40% Labour, so very little between them. So between the two major parties, 83% of voters were represented. Both of those parties said quite clearly that they would see Brexit through, albeit perhaps in, in different ways and, and with different negotiating stances, but both of them made very clear that they wouldn't try and block Brexit, that they would see it through, even the Labour Party. So does it really matter? It is the bigger concern here amongst businesses that there is this uncertainty and there is this, you know, no majority in Parliament. Does it, does it matter whether we'd have gone blue or red? At least in that respect, had we gone to Labour, we would have had, you know, something that was a little bit more stable, which is what Theresa May was asking for all along. I think, I think stability is the key. However, no, not to get too political, I feel that what Jeremy Corbyn run a fantastic campaign and great comms campaign, his team behind him, used great, great use of face-to-face of -face and live. Uh, I think he really did our, our industry proud there. And the Tories was a bit of a disastrous campaign, really didn't take advantage of social media, live events, any of the comm stuff that is open to us as communication specialists. But in that way, I got the feeling that Jeremy Corbyn had got nothing to lose, really, because he could promise anything, um, knowing that he probably wouldn't be prime minister. Um, so you know he, he could get that popular vote uh, and 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 win through in the same way as as Trump did. 
So, uh, you know, which way? I don't know. I haven't got the answer to, to would it have been better from a Brexit point of view from, from the Labour or from the Tories. For me, it's now put your differences to one side, join together as one body, and go out there and get the best for Britain. This is about getting that great deal for Britain. Uh, Andrew, from my perspective, I think it, it, matter, it, it matter, matters hugely, even though both parties have said that they will support Brexit. You know, what does that mean in practice? Um, you know, the government are going to try and negotiate a deal that's going to be a multifaceted deal. And, um, you know, can, we be, can they be certain that when they come back to Parliament that Labour MPs are going to say, oh yeah, we support that deal? Or are Labour MPs going to say, but actually we would like the deal to be a bit better? Of course, anyone can always say, almost about any deal, oh, I'd like the deal to be better. Well, of, of course. So what um, Theresa May was hoping for is a substantial Conservative majority that she could whip through Parliament to just say, right, well, this is the deal. You, you are supporting it. Push it through. Instead, what she's going to do is she's going to be relying on the support of Labour MPs who might start to, you know, we, it, it is obviously potentially the case that we will have to pay some, you know, meaningful amount of money to exit the EU, whether that is 100 billion or 10 billion or 5 billion, you know, somebody, it's not going to be hard for somebody to say, oh, 10 billion, what we're having to pay 10 billion, I think we should pay less than 10 billion. Well, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, uh, but so whatever they negotiate, it will be open to the interpretation of opposition MPs as to whether they think that that's an okay deal. I think that, that will be practically quite difficult. But of course, they have said that they will support Brexit, and you know, and and I think they run some political risk if they are seen to um, be putting the brakes on. But, but maybe it certainly makes the process a lot more complicated. Dale? I, I think you're absolutely no. Yeah, I, I think Andrew, you're absolutely right. We're, we could be in for just a chaotic time where Parliament look, just looks like a shambles because nobody will make a decision. Everybody just wants to put their their two pennyworth in. And what I don't get is why Theresa May went to the country in the first place. Uh, well, I sort of get it, but she didn't have to. She got that majority. She could have still done exactly what she wanted to do. And it just seemed a complete and utter waste of time having the general election, which has detracted all the parties away from what they should be doing. And that's getting the best for Britain, and that's what we want. The sad thing is, I think that she went for the election then because she thought that the majority that she had was already too slim in order to effectively negotiate Brexit. So in order to make Brexit work, what she needed was a larger majority in order that she had the authority to push through in those negotiations. What's now happened is she's got no majority um, or a very slim majority with DUP and actually weakened her position. What she needed was a stronger hand and now she's got as much weaker hand um, and therefore she's gone backwards. So I, I get why she did it, but obviously it, it is massively backfired. Yeah, but bring, bring, bring it. Sorry, guys. I, I, I'd like to ask, but bringing it back again into our own industry, there was a lot of talk during it, it, during both campaigns of the, the major parties and amongst the smaller parties of things like the NHS, social care, um, education. Um, do you think that the fundamental 
industries and sectors which help drive this country and keep the country propped up like the events industry which often gets overlooked but contributes significantly to uh, the, the, the tax office's purse. Um, do you think they were overlooked? Do you think we were overlooked as an industry during any of the, the campaigning? Absolutely, I do. I do. I think that one thing that government seems to lose so, sight of, um, and it's interesting the Federation of Small Business you know, commenting today and demanding answers, is when you look at social care, when you look at schools, when you look at everything that drives this country, it all, where do you think the money comes from? It comes from business, taxes. And so if business is not successful, if trade's not successful with, with our trading partners, we have nothing. We can't invest in the NHS. We can't invest in schools. So, you know, we should be putting business first to drive that forward. Uh, and one very, very important part of business is trade with Europe. And we just seem to have lost sight of, of all of that. We're just getting tangled up in glue rather than just saying, we've got to put business first. This is all about business at the moment because we know business, no money, no anything else. But both of you will, both, both of you will work with clients representative of major corporations, I've, I've no doubt about it. The size of operations that you're running, you'll, you will no doubt work with, with small companies, medium-sized companies and large companies. Those large companies in particular, when we're talking about uncertainty over business rates, uncertainty over corporation tax, uncertainty over all of these taxes that have to be paid out by big businesses, things like events, things like um, staff training days or uh, entertaining of clients, they're all the things that get cut straight away, aren't they? If there's any sort, not just a cut, not just a change in circumstance, but an uncertainty over a particular circumstance, they will pull the plug on it until they know what's happening, won't they? Yeah, it's, they're one of the first things to be cut, aren't they? Because they are seen as easy things to cut. They are, they are long-term investments, um, really. And um, you can cut them in the short term, you can save money immediately. Um, and that's what people do when they've got their back up against the wall. And that's what happens if the economy becomes more difficult. And um, I think that, yeah, the whole issue of the election is that um, too much focusing on spending money and not enough focusing on how to earn it. And, um, and I think that's the Corbyn thing. No idea how to earn any money, but lots of ideas on how to spend it. Absolutely, and and the way he communicated that, he just he just brought in the votes. Um, yeah. But you're right, Andrew, and 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 you know, as an events industry, we're a vital part of the UK GDP, and also a massive employer. Uh, when you look from from the hotel sector all the way through to the events industry, the transport, the logistics, the whole lot, hundreds of thousands of people are employed by our by our industry, and a massive income to to um, UK but we sometimes just forget, get forgotten. Do, do either of you um, have an opinion on, um, let me just check, I'm just referencing um, some information here. The, the negotiations, there's been, there's been some news reports today and some stuff come out in the media that the negotiations could be delayed by up to a year because of a, a difference of opinion as to how those negotiations should be structured, whether or not they should be conducted in phases, with each phase relevant to a different strand of Brexit, or whether or not they should all be essentially just one, you know, full-on negotiation that covers everything all the time. Um, if they are delayed for a year, do you think that would allow us some breathing space to get houses in order, or do you think it's just going to prolong uncertainty? I think it would just prolong uncertainty. Um, 
you know, I, I don't think there is a need for them to be delayed in any way, shape or form. What we need is for them to happen, happen quickly, get supported and move through so that, you know, everybody can move on and get uncertainty out of the way. Um, I would have thought there's every potential for them to get delayed. Um, I think there's, you know, we, we don't know what could come out of this. If they can't get Brexit through, we could end up with another general election and who knows what happens after another general election. Um, you know, we could end up with no Brexit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do you really think that that, that that could be the case where, where, where both parties have said that they would, both major parties have said that they would see Brexit through? Do you think it's actually a, a realistic prospect that with so much uncertainty it may never happen? I, I feel it may not ever happen. Uh, sorry, I, I think it, it. I think it is possible. Um, I very much hope it is not the case. Um, but you, I don't know. What if you got a change in leadership in the Labour Party, and then you got a leader who said that now actually I don't support Brexit, and we're having another general election, and we're going to fight that general election on the basis of not supporting Brexit, and then we get then they win that general election. And now you've got a prime minister who's fought an election on the basis of stopping Brexit, who's won an election. We don't know. No, I, um, I, I, I don't think it will happen in the, in the time period. By, by March 2019, I can't see Brexit being complete, negotiations complete. No. Um, the, the, only, the one thing that um, Theresa May has got on her side, to a degree, is that um, we've triggered Article 50. At the moment, we are leaving the EU in March 2019. Um, she doesn't need um, parliamentary support for that. That is, you know, that's happening. So, um, to a degree, she can say, well, this is the deal. There isn't another deal. If you don't like the deal, we will come out of the EU with no deal. Um, and it will happen anyway. Um, so, you know, she has got some authority that comes from that, um, you know, and, and maybe she will end up using that more than anything else to, you know, here is an option of a deal, the alternative is there is no deal, Parliament, you can decide which you prefer, and I think that that will, that will give her more, more power. Uh, um, I think some of the, uh, it's hard at the moment to speculate on the overall sort of government strategies for getting things through because, the situation is so new that um, you know people haven't really had time to properly contemplate um, what cards they have to play with and how they can push things through. Um, but I mean, it's certain, it's no doubt it's weakened the government's hand. The only thing I, I would say about the whole negotiations, though, and and, and, and Theresa May has said it a few times, and I, I feel sorry for it in a way because you're going into a negotiating position, yet the country won't her to make it public what she's going to do and that's the last thing you want to do as a you know in, in a game of poker or whatever you don't want to show your hand and that's that's basically what she's been asked to do and how I can see why the other parties have done it because they're just stirring up a bit of trouble because they also know that she can't show her hand else all of a sudden we've just told the opposition if that's what we want to say in terms of Europe this is what we're going to negotiate on it's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous of course you know I I don't particularly want to know how we're going to negotiate the Brexit terms because I, I know she doesn't, she can't make it public. Um, interestingly, uh, and just just to throw this in there, um, 
with the DUP now essentially involved in, in, in government in order to prop up the Tory party and give them a majority in the Commons, if Theresa May does call people's bluff and say, right, well, it's either that deal or no deal and we're coming out anyway because I've triggered Article 50, if that second scenario was to happen, that would mean a hard border in Ireland, which you would presume the DUP wouldn't want. And, and it also sort of brings me on to a question to you, um, Andrew, when it comes to logistics, as a company that's working and presumably moving items for the event industry across borders as well in Europe, um, I spoke to some people last year prior to the referendum who said they didn't want Brexit because it would make the task of you know, logistics a lot more difficult. Where do you stand on actually moving show freight from A to B when potentially you could go be going through hard borders? Um, well, I think um, re-establishing customs clearance post-Brexit um, is, you know, from our sector's perspective, obviously negative. Um, I took the view that on balance, um, the, um, the benefits of leaving the EU outweighed the inconvenience of the um, reinstatement of customs clearance. Um, mm -hmm. And therefore, it remains my view that, that the, the benefits of getting out of the EU are worth that that sacrifice, but I mean, of course, it makes life more difficult. In uh, in Northern Ireland, you know, that is a particularly tricky issue. I think you know when you're talking about move things, move things from the UK into other foreign countries, that's one thing. When you're talking about moving goods between Northern and Southern Ireland, then that's that's another thing. And and to my mind, that was an issue that had never um, satisfactorily been sort of understood how that was going to be dealt with. But as you rightly point out, those issues become even more difficult now, and especially when the DUP are in so, uh, you know, prominent in this whole situation. As you say, they 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 do not want a hard border. Um, one thing to, of course, bear in mind about the the DUP is there's only one thing that they would dislike more than a hard border, and that is a. Um, IRA sympathising Jeremy Corbyn in Downing Street, so they have a very significant interest in um, keeping Theresa May in Downing Street. So, you know, there are there are two sides to that. But but you you're absolutely right. The DUP do not want a hard border between Northern and Southern Ireland, and um, you know, so yes, how can we leave the EU with no deal? And yeah, you, you're right to say that, and that will make um, Theresa May's hand harder again because you won't even be able to to fully use that in in the way that you describe. Now, of course, I don't know. Does it mean that she can't use it? Um, I think that she can use it because she can say, well, you know, if we don't get a deal, that is what's happening. So you have to support what deal I can negotiate, and if you don't support it, that is what's going to happen. But I mean, it's tricky stuff. Dale, if if you don't mind me, um, uh, uh, well, pointing out and flagging up, you look like a man who has uh, some experience within the events industry. <laughs> what about you going to say? And given given that level of experience that uh, that you've got, um, presumably you've you've seen the industry and the country move through recessions through peaks, through troughs, through periods of boom, through periods of bust, and we've coped with it, and particularly relevant to our own industry is the fact that the UK events industry is always 
very much seen as a leader in many aspects. We're often pioneers of, of new methodology, of, of developing new hardware, of new infrastructure, of all sorts of things associated with events. Um, so given that we've been through a lot of this before, are we just going to fight our way through this as normal this time? Are we actually getting our knickers in a twist over something that perhaps on reflection we could just say, well, we've dealt with it before? Uh, yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, I, in August, I'll have been in the industry 40 years, which, God. Um, so, um, and so, yeah, I have seen a few recessions and downturns. I think one of the biggest um, recessions or downturns for the industry was that fateful day of 9-11. Uh, where you know, the industry just stopped um, uh, uh, overnight uh, and it carried on for, for months. Um, so absolutely we have seen it all before. I have a sort of theory about the cycle of recession and sort of every seven years it comes around. Uh, we're in a bit of a sort of different cycle at the moment. It feels like there's lots of things going on that we probably haven't seen as much of in the past. But Everybody will get excited, everybody will have their opinion and go on webinars and on TV and in the press and everything else. Then all of a sudden it will just calm down uh, and normality will return. So I think as, as an industry we are robust. Uh, we're a fantastic centre of excellence in the UK. Uh, and, you know, the, the rest of the world look to the UK for our ideas, our innovation and the way we work. So I think as an industry we will continue on and we will continue to evolve and change using new technologies, responding to new trends and, and new demographics. So, um, yeah, it is almost like, oh, here we go again. It's a, that sort of boom and bust. But the faster we can get through this, the, my, my fear of this time over other times is there's so many other factors sort of playing into this. And, and some of them self-inflicted through, through you know, things like we had last week. Other things that, that we, you know, from, from overseas, threats as well, and terrorism and security and all the rest of it. So we will just work through it and, and let it settle down and we'll carry on. But we need to evolve and continue to evolve. One thing I'd, li I'd like to, to turn the topic of conversation to um, is, is industry associations. Now, I don't know whether or not either of you uh, are part or members of any industry associations with your uh, companies. If individually you are members of, of, of uh, professional bodies, um, but have you been in contact or have you seen any communications from any of the industry bodies that work within the event sector to see what sort of stance they're taking on this and, and do you think they're doing enough at the moment to help businesses through this particular period of time? I've not seen anything directly. I've not been in contact with our industry bodies. Um, you know, as I think Darren said, I, I think more or less we just have to get our heads down and keep working. You know, there, I don't think that there's some huge thing that our industry bodies can do to deal with this issue. It's a very complicated issue. It's going to have to be dealt with by government. There's not much we can do about it. More or less, we are passengers. Um, you know, we're going to witness what goes on. Um, and um, all we can really do is focus on our own businesses and make sure that we can do the best that we can in the um, economic environment. Yeah, we're, we're members of Evcom and many other uh, trade associations and like Andrew I haven't heard really much from the associations coming out but also absolutely right that, that really what can they do? Uh, they can offer support and advice and almost like uh, self-help groups if we can but we've really got to look inwards to our own organisations uh, our clients will be different in what they want. We'll be able to see which are the clients that could be affected, and that's what I'd be looking at 
as an industry, as a company, is which clients could look a little bit dicey going forward who may want to cut their budgets, and which clients actually, when there's always one going down, there's another one always coming up. So we always look at markets of which ones are moving, which ones we could take advantage of. So it's a lot of inward looking uh, and protect whatever we can uh, going forward. Uh, now you both say uh, broadly you, you agreed there that um, that there's probably not a lot that they could do. However, the the Federation of Small Small Businesses have simply issued a press release today saying they're demanding answers. So at the very least, could the associations just be vocal, be issuing stuff out into the press saying that they're not happy with this? Because a collective voice amongst lots and lots of different industries maybe could get a message through. I, I think you're right. I mean, we're we're a member of of the FSB, but they've got they've got 180,000 members, which is slightly larger than any of our trade associations. Uh, and I think one of the criticisms I've, I've heard for a long time about our trade associations was so fragmented, uh, and we need a body actually that that can has got a bit more oomph behind it that that can approach uh, into into government. And, and we just don't seem to have that as as well as things like the FSB or the Automotive Association or whatever it is uh, around the UK. So uh, I'm not sure we have a strong enough voice to make a difference. But, but you know, even with a voice, um, you know, we can demand that the government give us answers. But you know, what answers do we realistically expect them to give us? You know, they are—they're going to try and enter into a negotiation to try and uh, agree a set of terms that they hope to get through Parliament. Um, you know, what, what is it we want answering? The the uncertainty comes from the fact that they will they or won't they be able to get these things through Parliament, and you know they don't know the answer to that. So, yeah. uh, who would we like to who would we like to answer it, and what what would we like them to answer? Um, you know, they. Battle through and do the best that they can with the set of cards that they've got to play with. Um, Absolutely. I think I my message would be sorry, Andrew. I think my message would be if there was a message going out from all the trade associations, including our own, is I said earlier on, get on with it, work together, collaborate better as as all the parties, and, and let's look at just what's best for Britain. Uh, I don't want to know what the details of negotiations are. I don't need to know. Neither does anybody else. That's for closed door, behind closed doors. They almost need to disappear off for months on end and then come back with the best deal. But they've got to work together as, as a parliament, not a government, as a parliament. Uh, and that's what we're not seeing and that's what we should be pushing them to do. Put their petty sort of differences to one side. Uh, and, and a lot of people have, have commented that, that we're dealing with unprecedented circumstances in our country at the moment and um, without a shadow of a doubt it would be unprecedented for political parties to go and lock themselves in a room with a view to coming out with a, a joint agenda um, without squabbling. So it, you're absolutely right there. Um, curious to, to ask, and this is not specifically within the events industry, so I suppose this is a broader opinion. Do either of you think that fundamentally, regardless of your political allegiance, that putting a Remainer in charge when the Tories were looking for a new leader was a mistake ultimately? Um, I, I think that, um, you know, Theresa May at the time seemed to be a good option. A, a good option. She didn't 
tie herself so much to the Remain camp that she couldn't do what she's done. Um, I, my preference is always that somebody from the Brexit side took that role, but actually, I, you know, I thought that the way she started off that that seemed seemed to be okay. Um, you know, so I, I don't I don't think that, that 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 that's fundamentally been the issue. I think she's made a sort of significant strategic error in calling the election. Um, and they've obviously not done a good enough job of fighting the election. Um, and yeah, and now we're in a difficult place. But I, I don't really think it's because she's a Remainer. No, no I, I agree. I think at the time when there was a leadership contest, she was probably the best person for the job, Remainer or non-Remainer. I think she, she was the one who could show leadership at that time. Uh, yeah, she's messed it up a little bit on the way, but um, but in terms of whether she should have been a, a, a Remainer or a Leaver, I don't think it makes any difference. Four days is a long, long time in politics, but from a business perspective, we've really only had, you know, Friday and, and, and up to now today um, uh, uh, to, to actually look um, and, and identify what what's going to happen what we think could happen to start digesting it have either of you heard from your own clients yet and had this discussion with any of your own major clients um, to actually see what their views are on it and had similar conversations with them because no doubt you'll want to know exactly what your clients are thinking at the moment so that you can make plans and and come up with a, a, an action agenda for your own businesses no, I've not spoken to our clients about the real ramifications of it. I think it, it it depends on how it plays out, depends how the economic situation is, and if it's positive, then people will act positively, and if it's more negative, people will adjust accordingly. Yeah. I think one thing that, that has happened, which I think has been quite positive the last 12 months since, since the, the Brexit vote, is where that initial shock, and then I've come to about August, and between August and now, and even with the general election, I think businesses have been a little bit more robust and a little bit more take it as it comes. Uh, and, and I've heard a lot of clients say to me, we're just going to get on with it. That's just happening over there. We're just going to push through and get on with it. Everything stays in place. And I just hope that's going to continue on and there's a you know, sensibility uh, kicks in. Guys, thank you very much for your for your time today. Um, just just to re recap for people, this this has been a, a special edition of the Event Industry News podcast. Really, just um, starting to digest what the ramifications could be for the event industry um, following last week's um, general election. We should point out again, as we did at the top of the episode, that um, this particular edition uh, has been pre-recorded on Monday, the twelfth of June, following the general election that took place uh, on on last Thursday. So really just a couple of days of business to, to start looking at, at how this could impact. And one thing I, th I think it's important to, to perhaps invite and point out is that um, this special edition of the podcast has been has featured two guests who have offered a fantastic opinion and fantastic view but has leaned perhaps a little bit to the right and um, Andrew you've been very vocal of the fact that you you, you are uh, you did vote uh, conservative and you voted for brexit that was in your your statement that was issued last week um, we should invite anybody who's listening or watching this episode of the podcast um, if you are a Corbyn supporter if you are leaning more to the left of the political spectrum and you've got specific views as to how this uh, election is going to impact on the events industry, we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch with us via Twitter at 
event news block or find uh, eventindustrynews.com. There's contact forms and there's ways and means to get hold of Event Industry News via there. If you want your voice heard on the podcast or if you've got something that you'd like to submit to Event Industry News, then we'd love to hear from you. I've no doubt pretty much everybody and anybody has got an opinion on this um, and we would love to hear from you. Let us thank our guests who've joined us on today's edition of the podcast. Um, first of all, Dale Parmenter, Group CEO from the DRP Group. Dale. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast today. Pleasure. Enjoyed it. And also uh, to Andrew Baxter, Managing Director of Europa Worldwide Group. Andrew, thanks very much for your time, for your opinions, for your thoughts today. No problem. Pleasure. And relevant to both our guests, that um, they both come on at very short notice. Um, we decided just this morning to to put this episode of the podcast together. So we should give a special thanks to both the chaps for joining us today, and to both of their uh, teams behind them as well for for pulling the strings and doing what's been necessary to to get us all together and uh, and to record today's episode. So thanks to you both. This has been a special edition of the Event Industry News podcast, looking at the general election. We'll be back with regular editions of the podcast in the coming days and once again if you have got any thoughts any input that you want to have then get in touch with event industry news the podcast is supported by n200 ges your smart event solution partner for more information on n200 and its smart event solutions head over to n200.com once again thank you to our guests my name is james dixon thank you very much for joining us today mm -hmm.